Alright, alright. How are you, buddy? 35th episode underway, and once again, you have to settle solely for my own voice, since unlike last week, we are not going to have any extra participants in the show. And if you haven't checked out the previous episode where I had Connor Lacouve as a guest, please do yourself a favor and go listen to that episode and come back to this one once you've done that. And do not worry, I will keep my promise of bringing in other exciting names to this podcast. And as I said, we have few names already lined up for the future episodes, so just hold on. They are certainly coming. And if you noticed any improvements in the quality department, that's all because of my buddy Alexi, who worked long hours to make the Zoom recording sound a bit smoother for you. And with that, I hope that we will have his fingerprints all over the future episodes as well, since it was completely different breed from my own edits. So a big tire pump goes to him for his efforts as well. But even though we won't have any other circus clowns attending this week, besides me, obviously, I'm going to entertain you by myself. And while the NHL has started to prepare itself for the upcoming trade deadline and has hit the trenches of playoff spot battles, I'm going to keep the energy up by redrafting 2010, 2011, 2012 and 2013 draft classes and come back to this topic some other time since this was really, really fun episode to make. Overall, not a whole heck of a lot breaking news from the NHL front from the past few weeks, other than trade rumors, injury updates and signings, plus the fact that CCM released Ovi from his cover boy status, while the Caps organization is only paddling water inside their own raft with their PR decisions. The NHL cut its ties with KHL within the same breath, and on other news, Edmonton has somewhat improved their position in the West, Montreal Canadiens have found the second gear from their gearbox, and the great news is that Cole Caulfield has started to blossom again with the help of their new head coach, Martin Saint-Louis. And lastly, Toronto's goaltending situation is becoming worrisome day by day, so... We'll see what moves Dupas makes before we head to the playoffs. Internationally, Russia and Belarus have been banned from every international competition for the foreseeable future. Foreign players are packing their bags and straight lining out of Russia, while Jokerit and Dinamo Riga already pulled out of the KHL action before the playoffs. And if the ruble happens to fall even more, I could imagine that even Russian players will consider other opportunities in Europe if they happen to present themselves. And oh yeah, Risto signed a nice 5x5 deal with the Flyers, so suck a fat one Fletcher. Your rebuild is starting really strong, so keep up the good work, bud. But with that said, I think we kick things off officially and let the intro music roll, so without further ado, let's get and we are officially underway as we've crossed the halfway point of the season we might as well check how my predictions are holding their ground at this point of the season our draws i said that mac jesus was going to win it and he is the current favorite to win it but 
He's facing stiff competition from his teammate Leon Dreisaitl and Florida's Jonathan Huberdeau. I predicted that Nate Dogg was going to win the heart, but currently it seems to be Igor Shesterkin's trophy to lose, while Austin Matthews is the clear-cut number one runner-up, while Rantanen and Huberdeau will battle against him for the rest of the season. I gave Norris to Hedman, and quite frankly it's going to be a tough battle between Makar, Fox, Hedman, Ekblad and Yossi. Hedman, Yossi and Makar being the favorites at this point. The Vesna was reserved for Vasilevsky, and that is still very much in the cards, but just like with the heart, Shesterkin is currently very much the favorite to win the Vesna because of his play, but surprise names Jari and Anderson, plus the real contenders Saros and Vasilevsky will give him a run for his money, even though Shesti has been out of this world this season. The Selke was given to Mark Stone, but to me, the top three currently for that trophy is Bergeron, Matthews, believe it or not, check the stats, bud, and Anthony Shirelli. And if you ask me, how do I measure these, you might want to check the advanced analytics and look at the Evos just as a hint, so that you understand why Matthews is on the board. Ted Lindsay Award is pretty much a mix between the Hart and Artros, so... You might as well pick your poison between those guys. My dark horse for this segment this year was my Calder nominee, Bowen Byram, but unfortunately he has missed significant time due to injuries and thus has fallen off the Calder race after a strong start to the season. It seems to be a race between 4 to 5 players, but my best guess would be that Moritz Sider will eventually grab the trophy from in front of his teammate Lucas Raymond, Anaheim's Trevor Zegres, and Florida's Anton Lundell, who's been nothing but outstanding this year and has picked up the pace as of late. So he could give Sider a run for his title since his two-way presence has been undeniable for the Panthers, and if he keeps up his scoring pace, it will become his to lose before the end of the season. Many young guns have elevated their game from the start of the season, so it's really going to be a race for the trophy, through the last part of the season. Same thing goes with Rocket Richard, since current top 5 is Drysaddle, Matthews, Kreider, Ovechkin and Kyle Connor, while names like McDavid, Landeskog, Debrinket and my guy Pazza have as well reached the 30 goal mark this season. Since the start of the new year, Matthews has scored almost with a goal per game pace, and Pazza hasn't been far away from that either, so the odds are pretty high on most of these guys on the list. Austin has gained a 5-goal lead to the rest of the pack and is looking like the favorite to win it, but don't expect to see a cakewalk for the goal-scoring phenom. Lastly, we got Jack Adams' award, where I nominated Jared Bednar of the Colorado Avalanche as my guest, and at this point, I wouldn't say that Bednar would be out of the race, but certainly names such as Mike Sullivan, Daryl Sutter, Andrew Brunet, and Rod Brindamore would be on the edge when it comes to choosing the best coach in the league. So not too many home runs so far this season when it comes to trophy races, but the clear number one guy who has separated himself from the rest has been New York Rangers Igor Shesterkin, who could be the biggest trophy hoarder this year once the current campaign is over. Tough fight for the playoff spots is still ongoing and we can expect some major changes on the trade front, 
Since the Tyler Toffoli trade was only the beginning of an exciting NHL spring. Lastly, before we head into our main course, we might as well take a look at the UCL round of 16 results. Since we have the first four teams advancing to the quarters, and they are Bayern München, who provided an absolute ass-whooping in their second leg against Salzburg. Manchester City made their way to the quarterfinals after the first leg with a solid 5-0 victory and put the whole thing on cruise control in the second leg. Liverpool faced some adversity as I had anticipated but made their way to the quarters over Inter Milan and as the cherry on top. Did I mention anything about PSG and Champions League in the same sentence? Did I? I said that I was expecting PSG to go through, but boy, oh boy, did they fill their gas tank with cooking oil last Wednesday. Full-on self-destruction in the second leg, and I believe that Mbappe walked straight to Paris' office after that debacle. After scoring in the first half, the pace died down a bit, but once Donnarumma decided to make things interesting, the whole thing took a drastic 360, and it was pretty much over at that point for PSG. PSG's Champions League gear was in full effect. Total chaos on the pitch and three goals conceded in 17 minutes. Thanks for coming. 3-2 aggregate, two disallowed goals for Mbappe and a hat-trick for Benzema. I mean, I was lost for words before the end whistle. The lack of winning culture inside the organization showed its head once again and it led to a miserable result leading them out of the competition. Well, at least they have pretty much secured their spot in next year's Champions League, so on the bright side, there's always next year. But yeah, that's pretty much the summary from that game. Next week, we will find out which are the remaining four teams that will advance to the next round. But honestly, that was one of the worst evaporations I've seen on this level and from a world-class team, hands down. We still got few very exciting games remaining from the round of 16, so gear up for the last games of this knockout stage. On the UFC front, Islam Mahachev cruised through Bobby Green a couple weeks back, Kevin Holland beat veteran Alex Oliveira last weekend, while Bryce Mitchell took down Edson Barboza, quite literally, and Colby K.S. Covington beat his bitter rival Jorge Masvidal in last weekend's main event in T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. But nothing drastic has happened during the past couple of weeks, this week, Diego Santos will face up against Magomed Ankalaev in the main event, which will feature other exciting matchups such as Marlon Moraes versus Song Yadong, Sodik Yusuf versus Alex Caceres, Khalil Roundtree versus Carl Robertson, Andrew Dober versus Terence McKinney. So a lot of upcoming names are under the spotlight in this week's fight card. Week after that, London's O2 Arena will host the first European fight card in two years, and we are going to see another exciting batch of matchups next weekend. Volkov, Aspinall, Pimblet, Allen, Hooker, Craig, Krylov, Nelson, and Finland's own Makwan Amirkani will step into the octagon, and you gotta admit that it's great to see this organization back in the European continent. 
So if you're craving for some UFC action, you are about to see some of that in the next coming weeks. And the pace will only pick up from this point on as we start to get closer to the next main events starting from April's UFC 274. But those were pretty much all the big news outside of the hockey scene and we can start to make our way to the cream of our episode, the redrafts of the 2010, 11, 12, 13 and 14 NHL draft classes. We're going to mention the original first rounders and after that put those guys in new order based on my own opinion and their overall production from the past years. Feel free to disagree and let me know your top picks from these drafts. But now we move to our main piece. Starting with 2010, where the top five was Hall, Sagan, Goodbranson, Johansson and Niederreiter. Top 10, Connolly, Skinner, Burmistrov, Granlund and McGillrath. 10 to 20, the names were Campbell, Fowler, Gormley, Swartz, Forbert, Tarasenko, Hishon, Watson, Bukestad, and Bo Bennett. And the last remaining 10 names were Shehan, Tinordi, Bizik, Hayes, Howden, Kuznetsov, Vicentin, Coyle, Edom, and Brock Nelson. Not too stacked crew if you ask me, but when we start to line these guys up more based on their performances, we find out that we got some slight gems from this draft and many more names stand out as NHL stables. So my number one pick for the Edmonton Oilers from this draft will be a surprise to some of you since my pick is going to be the 178th pick of the 2010 entry draft by the Ottawa Senators, Mark Stone. Well, let me make my case. An elite two-way power forward with better numbers than Kuznetsov, for example, when you see his games played compared to points scored. And if he hadn't been taken by one of the worst franchises in the NHL, I believe that he would be in the top three in scoring within this draft class without a doubt. 474 points in 532 games is more than decent. And to me, he is the obvious number one guy from this draft class. Number two for me. He's the same guy that was drafted by the Bruins in 2010 and that guy is Tyler Sagan. An elite offensive play driver was a lethal option in his prime and came into the league with a bang and fairly quickly made a name for himself on the NHL ice. Tough injuries have affected his game during the past couple of years but 668 points in 799 games proves his offensive capabilities on the biggest stage of the sport. Number three for me is a highly touted Russian who fell in the rankings during his draft year but since stepping into the NHL ice has showcased his offensive skills in the nation's capital. And that guy is Yevgeny Kuznetsov and Florida could have boosted their rebuild back then by drafting this smooth Russian center but chose to go with rugged right-handed blue liner Eric Goodbranson instead. The last two remaining spots in the top five go to Taylor Hall and Vladimir Tarasenko and I think it's pretty obvious why these guys fill the two remaining spots in the top five. Hall with 638 points in 738 games and Tarasenko with 237 goals in 583 games. Thanks for coming. Proven offensive threats with their own specialities, elite skating and shot 
and even though Hall fell down few spots from his original spot, he's still very deserving of a top 5 spot within this draft class. Then the rest of the top 10 is filled with these names. Number 6, Cam Fowler, top defenseman with terrific track record and most games played by a defenseman from this draft. Number 7, John Klingberg, top 4 offensive defenseman and top tier power play quarterback with impressive offensive numbers. The number 8 spot belongs to Ryan Johansson, and despite his hype, he has been the biggest offensive letdown from the top 5, but still has racked up impressive stat line to this date and has been a reliable top 6 option throughout his career. Number 9, Mika Granlund, extremely well-balanced two-way game and a guy that leaves his soul onto the ice each night while having great offensive tools. No doubt a top 10 guy. And the last name in the top 10 is going to be Jaden Swartz, who jumps 4 spots in the rankings. Solid point total and has been a strong top 6 presence for the past 6 years for the Blues before his move to his current team in Seattle. From top 10 to 20 we got Justin Falk at number 11, number 12 Jeff Skinner, 13 Brendan Gallagher, 14 Brian Rust, 15 Brock Nelson, 16 Nino Niederreiter, 17, Zach Hyman, number 18, Tyler Toffoli, number 19, Charlie Coyle, and to round out the top 20, we got Kevin Hayes. Jason Zucker just misses the top 20 as the 21st pick. The first goaltender of the draft will be Jack Campbell, who comes at number 22, Jonas Donskoy, number 23, Philip Grubauer, 24th pick, Kali Arncroft, number 25, Jesper Past, number 26, Radko Gudas as the 27th pick, Nick Bukestad, 28th pick of the draft, 29th pick is going to be Michael Ferland, and the last pick of the first round is going to be the Swede, Johan Larsson. And since we got 32 teams in the current NHL, the last two extra picks are going to be the former number 3 pick, Eric Branson and versatile journeyman Mark Bizik fills their last remaining spot. So overall, lots of names that have had solid careers in the NHL, but certainly not extremely name-heavy draft in the big picture. Moving on to year 2011, and we start to have big names on the board, and the ranking will become much harder than the year prior. That year, the top 5 consisted of Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, Gabriel Landeskog, Jonathan Huberdeau, Adam Larson, and Ryan Strom. From 6 to 10, we got Mika Zibanejad, Mark Scheifele, Jean Couturier, Dougie Hamilton, and Jonas Brodin. So you start to sense the level already with these picks. From 11 to 20, we have Duncan Siemens, Ryan Murphy, Sven Berchi, Jamie Alexiak, JT Miller, Joel Armia, Nathan Beaulieu, Mark McNeil, Oscar Clefbaum, and Connor Murphy. And the rest of the first round consists of names such as Stefan Nason, Tyler Biggs, Joe Morrow, Matt Pumple, Stuart Percy, Philip Deneau, Vladislav Namesnikov, Jack Phillips, Nicholas Jensen, and Ricard Raquel. So the quality dropped quite drastically. Further, we went to the end of the first round. But when I rearranged the top 30, we find some gems from the later rounds. Starting off with second round pick as the first overall guy in this draft, and that is Russian winger Nikita Kucherov. And it wasn't an easy decision to pick between Hubie and Kuj, but I gave the advantage to Kuj because 
you've seen what this guy is capable of and over a point per game average is a proof of exactly that there's no way around it he has been one of the league's top forwards for a few years now and without a shadow of a doubt has been one of the cogs in the bolt system which has cranked up back-to-back -back cups for the organization and with that i guess you can already tell who my number two pick is going to be but to make it clear it is Florida's left winger Jonathan Huberdo. He has evolved into an offensive juggernaut during the past few years and has been an offensive leader alongside Finland's own Shasha Barkov in Sunrise. Pretty clear one-two punch for me but the third overall guy on my list isn't too far away from the top two guys and his name is Johnny Gaudreau. Despite most odds, has become an elite offensive unit in the NHL and has defied the stigma surrounding smaller players by racking up 571 points in 577 games. Amazing passer with game-breaking skill and awareness without a doubt deserves a spot in the top three and depending on a review, could even challenge for the top spots of the draft. The last two spots in the top five are manned by Colorado's Gabriel Landeskog and Winnipeg's Mark Shifley. I was thinking about including Dougie Hamilton in the top five, but since these two have just been so prolific throughout their career, I just couldn't let myself prioritize Hamilton's offensive game over these two and their effects as top line forwards. Landy, 571 points in 738 games and became the youngest captain in the franchise history, which tells you what kind of a leader he is on and off the ice. While Shifley has been one of the most consistent forwards offensively during the past four years. 557 points in 627 games is a hefty total and has been Winnipeg's number one guy in offense since 2013. After the top five, we still have pretty big names that are very deserving of a high first round pick in my books. And we are going to start it off with the guy I was mentioning earlier, and that is former Bruins pick Dougie Hamilton. 365 points in 645 games is elite level production from a blue liner. And like I said, I was considering putting him in the top five, but decided to place him right after the top five forwards. Without a shadow of a doubt, the best defenseman in the draft and even though he's been quite a journeyman throughout his career, he's been able to put up points consistently and is now enjoying his big paycheck in New Jersey. After that, we go back to choosing forwards and in the seventh spot, we have another Swede by the name of Mika Zibanejad. 492 points in 613 games and the Rangers current top line center has been prolific two-way player throughout his career and has become exactly what many expected before getting drafted to Ottawa as the sixth overall pick. At the eighth spot we continue with our forward trend and select Phillies Sean Couturier. Couturier has been one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL over the past five years and in my mind because of that deserves a spot in the top eight for his elite defensive game. Number nine pick is going to surprise some of you but my guy for the ninth spot is going to be Anaheim Ducks' netminder John Gibson. 364 games played, 2.63 goals against average and .915 save percentage is 
undeniably starter level numbers while also taking into account the fact that he's been their main guy in net since the 2015-2016 campaign. One Jennings trophy to his name, while the Ducks squad hasn't been the best we've seen in the 21st century, so you have to realize that if he played in a bigger market he could have challenged for the Vesna more than once if he had stronger teams in front of him during these years. But like said, Gibson is going to be my pick in the ninth spot and the last player completing the top 10 is going to be the official first overall pick by the Edmonton Oilers, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Although RNH hasn't become quite the offensive juggernaut in the NHL many expected, also partly thanks to Connor McDavid's presence, he's become very consistent top line option with very good two-way game who's able to put up points on a nightly basis. 515 points in 701 games isn't too shabby, but in this draft class he falls down a bit merely because of the stacked top 5 and overall elite level. As the 11th pick of the draft, we will have New York Rangers pick JT Miller. He has been an offensive force for the Rangers, Bolts and the Canucks since getting drafted by the Rangers as the 15th pick in the draft and both guys are very reliable and consistent top 6 guys and not too far away from the rest of the top tier players but this time they have to settle for lower spots. After the top 11 the differences become much smaller and the picks after Miller are going to be number 12 Andre Palat, number 13 Jonas Brodin, number 14 Brendan Saad, number 15 Vincent Trocek and number 16 Ryan Strom. Still extremely good players in the top 16, while the top 20 is closed by number 17, Boone Jenner, number 18, Adam Larson, number 19, William Carlson, and number 20, Philippe Danault. The 21st spot belongs to Anaheim Strickard Raquel, so you start to see the level that the 2011 draft had. Last remaining spots in the first round are manned by number 22, Oscar Gleifbaum, number 23, Connor Murphy, Number 24, Blake Coleman. Number 25, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. Number 26, Jordan Binnington. 27, Vladislav Namesnikov. Number 28, Adam Lowry. And number 29, Joel Armia. And as the last pick of the draft, we have Anaheim's Joss Manson. When it comes to two honorable mentions, they belong to Matt Nieto and Mike Riley. So pretty much all are still staples on the NHL level. And overall, much stronger draft class than the class of 2010. Next up though, we got a pretty brutal 2012 draft and the level will drop down from previous year's draft class by a quite large margin. In 2012, the top 20 was Yakupov, Murray, Kalchenyak, Reinhardt, Riley, Lindholm, Damba, Pulio, Truba, Kuku, Forsberg, Grigorenko, Faxa, Gergensens, Sisi, Wilson, Hurdle, Teravainen, Vasilevsky, and Scott Lawton. So you can see that this draft class was pretty heavy on defensive side related to previous year where we had a surplus of future top 9 forwards. Rest of the first round picks consisted of Jankowski, Matta, Matheson, Subban, Schmoltz, Gons, Samuelson, Shea, Matto and Tanner Pearson. So yeah, not too good on the first glance, 
Many of these names haven't really stood out on the NHL level, but things will get better once I start to realign these guys as far as the first round goes. And boy, do we have a tandem to start things off. This is pretty much unheard of, but you know who the top two guys from this draft are in my mind. Consolidated, number one pick for me from this draft is Tampa Bay's goaltender Andre Vasilevsky. And that shouldn't surprise you too much by looking at his track record from the NHL. But you know what? The second overall pick as well is going to be a goaltender. Yep, it was a good year on the tandy front. Number two pick from this draft is another netminder and his name is Connor Hellebuck. These two guys have battled for Vesna during the past two to three years and in my mind deserve the top spots in the redraft. Elite goaltenders who have been cream of the crop the past couple of years in the league and stand out from the rest of the bunch as I lay down the rest of the first rounders. Number three spot for me goes to Toronto's Morgan Riley. 630 games played and 351 points to go along with his first line minutes as an elite two-way D-man. To me, he has been the best skater of this draft class and jumping two spots from his original spot. Number four pick in my books is San Jose's first rounder Thomas Hurdle. Great two-way player with 367 points in 560 games and one of the best checks from the past five years in the NHL. After the top two guys from this draft, the competition becomes more even and pretty much you can arrange the top five in any order you would like. But for me, the last guy to round out the top five is Carolina's big Jacob Slavin. Elite two-way D-man was a steal for the Canes and has launched himself to the elite of NHL defensemen. And once you see his overall numbers, you understand why he's been vital for the Canes for a couple of years now. Just outside of the top 5, at the 6th spot, we have former Capitals pick Philip Forsberg. 434 points in 541 games speaks for itself, and his name is on one of the more lopsided trades from the past 10 years between the Preds and the Caps. Reliable top 6 offensive threat has almost same amount of goals as he has assists, and thus is probably the best offensive player of this draft class. As the seventh pick, we have Teuvo Teravainen, underrated top six forward with 350 points in 501 games, has very decent track record and a Stanley Cup to his name. At eight overall, we have Minnesota's Matt Dumba with 217 points in 506 games, and once again, very, very dependable top four option, with great all-around presence for the Wild. As the ninth pick of the draft, we have Islanders defenseman Adam Pelek, not a huge point-getter, but one of the best shutdown guys in the league. Deserves a spot in the top 10 and could have gone even higher, but I decided to slot him nicely between the top 5 and the top 10. And as the last pick of the top 10, we got Jacob Truba, and pretty much the same things apply to him from the previous few picks with some additional physical presence on the back end. Just outside of the top 10, we have Washington's Tom Wilson, and I guess you already know what type of a player he is, so I don't feel like I need to elaborate why he is my pick for the 11th overall spot. 
261 points in 625 games is decent and his presence on the forecheck and in front of the net is undeniable so those are the reasons why he is my option for the 11th spot moving on at 12 we got St. Louis's Colton Pareko top four guy with heavy shot and good point total can't pretty much go wrong with that Following Pareko, at 13, we have a guy that was drafted twice, first time in 2010 and for the second time in this draft class. So I decided to leave him out for this class since he stayed with his team for the beginning of his career, but eventually ended back up to a team that first drafted him in 2010. And his name is Freddie Anderson. 432 games in the NHL with 2.59 goals against average and 0.916 goals against average is near elite and deserves a spot in the early first round. He has rejuvenated his game this year in Carolina and seemingly the high pressure environment in Toronto had an impact on his game so now that he's away from that crazy hockey market he's been able to focus on his game and perform on an elite level and is competing for a Vesna this year. After another goalie, we have another defenseman by the name of Hampus Lindholm, who slots in the 14th spot, and same things apply to him from the previous nominees. 579 games played with 221 points is extremely decent for a solid top 4 guy. And while we are on a roll with Demon, we might as well continue since at 15, we got Devils' right-handed blue liner Damon Severson and a former third-round shutdown guy. Esa Lindel at the 16th spot. After those guys, we venture back to forward territory. We're at 16, we have Alex Galchenyuk. At 17, we got Tanner Pearson. 18th spot belongs to Shane Gostishvier. At 19, we got former 6th round steal, Connor Brown. And to round out the top 20, we got 5th round pick, Alex Kerfoot. Rest of the first round consists of 21st pick, late bloomer Chandler Stevenson, 22nd, Colin Miller, 23rd, Josh Anderson, 24th, Matt Grizzlick, 25th, Cody Ceci, 26th, Chris Tierney, 27th, Brady Shea, 28th, Mike Matheson, 29th, Jake McCabe, and last pick of the draft is going to be Andreas Athanasiu. Last two extra spots belong to Teddy Blugers and Scott Lawton. From this draft, we had to leave out some bottom six regulars, such as Radek Faxa and Brock McGinn, and Demon, Oli Matta, Eric Gustafsson, and Ryan Murray. But as you can see, even though the first round wasn't as bulletproof as you could anticipate, we had a plethora of staple NHL names throughout the 2012 draft class. Also, Jonas Korpisalo and Matt Murray didn't make the cut, but it would have been at the top of the second round, while Chris Dreger and Linus Ulmark would have challenged for those spots as well. So pretty good year for goalies as well. Next though, we move to a stacked 2013 draft class where the top guys separate themselves from the rest of the bunch. In 2013, the first round selections were top 5, McKinnon, Barkov, Druan, Jones and Lindholm. The top 15, Monahan, Nurse, Ristolainen, Horvat, Nichuskin, Morin, Domi, Morrissey, Wenberg and Pulak. And rest of the first round names were Zadorov, Lazar, Müller, Reichel, Mantha, Gauthier, Poirier, Burakovsky, Shinkarak, McCarran, Theodore, Dano, Klimchuk, Dickinson, and Hartman. So once again, 
some major misses in the first round but believe me the overall level of this draft was way better than it might seem with the first class when it comes to my picks the first two are pretty obvious ones Nate Dogg and Shasha as the one and two as you might expect but the third overall pick comes from the third round as a surprise and that is Jake Gensel 316 points through 352 games is elite level and even though he took some time before landing an NHL job he's been lights out since and has been a consistent producer for the Pens in their first line slick hands quick feet and knack for goal scoring is something you expect from a third overall pick and Gensel owns all those attributes so that's why he's my number three pick number four pick for me shouldn't surprise many after seeing his numbers from the past two seasons and that guy is Finnish netminder Juuse Saros another exceptional season in progress and just like Gensel he took some time before landing a starter job in the NHL much because of Pekkarinen's presence in Smashville but once he grabbed the throne from Pekks he's been nothing but impressive in their net and overall stats from his career tell you all you need to know about his value 203 games played 2.47 goals against average and 0.921 save percentage which are nothing but impressive to say the least just like Anderson in the previous draft class he's once again fighting for Vesna this year and has been one of the main pieces in their organization as they've proven doubters wrong with their play this year surefire top five pick in my books and the last guy in my top five is a defenseman and despite him playing under 400 games thus far in the nhl he's been improving his game during the past three years and has become one of the best defensemen in the league whether you want to believe it or not he's gone under the radar for many but for me he's an obvious top five guy and his numbers prove exactly that he is anaheim's pick shay theodore yes before all the other top demon in this draft 373 games 207 points and elite two-way game with strong rushing ability and sleek hands you can argue against this pick but to me he's become vegas's number one defenseman in front of pietrangelo whose defensive game has deteriorated from his years in st louis I don't know what else to tell you fairly complete defenseman with strong offensive attributes so he rounds out the top five of 2013 class player that just missed the top five is another swede who has blossomed alongside johnny hockey and matthew ketchuk in calgary and that is elias lindholm 428 points in 638 games and the pace is only increasing great two-way game and brilliant shot lands him the sixth spot just outside of the top five while the seventh overall selection for me comes from carolina and a former third round pick brett pesci is my pick for this spot at this point you probably once again think like why am i even listening to this guy and is he really out of his mind but trust me just check the stats he may not be the top scorer of this draft but has been a complete brick wall for the canes during the past few years alongside his deep partner jacob slavin so you might as well shove those arguments up your hoop thank you extremely solid two-way presence and while his 147 point total through 450 games won't amaze you 
once you see his defensive metrics, you should realize that he's way more than just a good top 4 D-man. But after that selection, we will keep the clown show going since as my 8th overall pick, I will reach out to 7th round and pick another right-handed defenseman by the name of Mackenzie Weger. Yep, still in my senses and still not taking drugs. Have you seen what he's become in Florida alongside Eggblad? And have you seen his overall stats? If not, do that because he's elite. 284 games, 112 points. Not anything that would blow your socks off, but he's an analytic darling and has improved his numbers during the past three years by leaps and bounces and even keeps on improving. Once again, I don't know what else to tell you. He's awesome to watch and has the stats to back that up. And if you disagree, you can send me a complaint letter by mail if you feel like it. But he's going to be my 8th overall pick, whether you like it or not. Let's move on. At number 9, we see the best defensive point getter from this draft and a former 3rd overall pick from Columbus, Seth Jones. 323 points in 635 games is extremely decent, but he has seen his stock dropping during the past two years because of his defensive game, and so deserved a small downgrade from his previous position on my list. Still very capable point getter on the next level, but like I said, he has become somewhat of a liability defensively, which for the most part made him drop down a few spots in the rankings. Still deserving of a spot in the top 10 because of his numbers, but some could even argue for a spot outside of the top 10. Then we come across another forward to round out the top 10, and even though his production has plummeted as of late and has seen his ice time diminishing, he has put up very respectable numbers to this point and thus deserves the last spot in the top 10. That guy is Calgary's Sean Monahan. 461 points in 648 games. You start to get me. Good overall numbers, but the last two seasons haven't gone so well for him to some extent because of the emergence of Elias Lindholm and because of that fact he could have dropped even more but I decided to preserve his top 10 spot because of his strong offensive numbers. Moving outside of the top 10 and we start to see more offensive players on the board, starting off with Rangers third round pick Pavel Bushnevich, who's become a real weapon for St. Louis's top six. 241 points in 351 games in the NHL and since arriving from Russia has increased his point total season by season and has a terrific knack of finding open teammates in the offensive zone. Just outside of the top 10 but deserves a big pump in the overall rankings because of his point totals. And with that, we might as well continue with other forwards, since next up we will have at 11 and 12, Bo Horvat and Oliver Bjorkstrand. Horvat with 351 points in 556 games, while Bjorkstrand has racked up 218 points in 359 games, and has been a lethal goal scorer for the Jackets since getting drafted in the third round. Very solid top 6 option overall, and can't pretty much go wrong with either one. After those guys, we circle back to the blue line and pick two physical blue liners, Ryan Pulock and Darnell Nurse. Top blue liners, which could have gone even higher, 
but I wanted to mix in some forwards as well, so they dropped few spots in the rankings. Nurse with great offensive tools and overall point total, while Pulock alongside previously selected Pelek has assembled one of the best shutdown pairings in the current NHL. He can play on both sides of the puck, but is more defensively oriented than Edmonton's Darnell Nurse. And after those guys, at 15 we have Andrei Burakovsky to round out the top 15. Rest of the first round consists of names such as Valery Nichushkin at 21, 22nd overall Josh Morrissey, 23rd pick will be Max Domi, 24th overall Andrew Kopp, 25th Ryan Hartman, 26th pick is going to be Rasmus Ristolainen, 27th Jonathan Drouin, 28th Andres Jonsson, 29th Tristan Jerry, and last pick of the first round is going to be Alexander Wenberg. Honorable mentions go to JT Comfer and Nikita Zadorov. So as you see, pretty strong draft class overall and almost all the names mentioned in the first round are staples in top 6 and top 4 roles. The last draft class of the episode is going to be the 2014 draft class. Started by a top 5 of Aaron Ekblad, Sam Reinhardt, Leon Dreisaitl, Sam Bennett and Michael Dalcol. In the top 15, outside of the top 5, we got Jake Virtanen, Hayden Fleury, William Nylander, Nikolai Ehlers, Nick Ritchie, Kevin Fiala, Brandon Perlini, Jacob Rana, Julius Honka and Dylan Larkin. So far some misses but overall quite good bunch. Rest of the first round consists of Sonny Milano, Travis Sanheim, Alex Tuck, Tony D'Angelo, Nick Schmaltz, Robbie Fabry, Kasperi Kapanen, Connor Blakely, Jaron McCann, David Pasternak, Nikita Sherbach, Nikolai Goldobin, Josh Hosang, Adrian Kempe and John Quenville. So at least I would say pretty strong group of players so far, but I have to say it gets even better once we start to search through the rest of the draft class. The top 5 is absolutely stacked and you could arrange these guys to any order you would like, but to me the pretty obvious number 1 choice is Leon Dreisaitl. 585 points in 536 games speaks for itself and the German giant has been one of the best point getters in the league during the past 5 years. He has all the tools for a prolific scorer and his shot is one of the better ones in the league and overall a franchise level player. Number 2 on my list is going to be David Pasternak, probably the second best goal scorer of the draft. It goes without saying that this guy has the elite skills and has won the Rocket Richard trophy already while challenging for it on a yearly basis. Tough choice for the second overall spot and it doesn't get any easier when choosing the third overall pick of the draft, but I decided to go with New York's fourth round pick Igor Shesterkin. And I'm basing it on his progress during the past two years because this year he might take home both the Hart and Vesna trophies as the best goaltender in the league. Miraculous stats for him this season and pretty convincing stat line from the NHL overall. 85 games, 2.33 goals against average and 0.929 goals against average with 54, 23 and 6 record. That is elite. If he keeps on improving, we will have a real challenger for Vasilevsky and there's no denying that. He might be the next big goaltender out of Russia if this is his level going forward. 
and I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Number four on my list is going to be Tampa's third-round pick, Braden Point. 352 points in 394 games, not bad at all. And this undersized versatile forward has been precious for the Bolts in their cup runs. Playoff performer with an attitude of a bulldog slides in as the fourth selection from this draft class. And the last guy that will conceal the top five is going to be the first overall pick defenseman, Aaron Eggblad. 288 points in 550 games for the Panthers and consolidated number one defenseman of this draft. Great goal scorer from the blue line and extremely solid on both ends of the ice. Deserves a spot in the top five of this draft. Moving on to the rest of the top ten. And in the sixth spot, we find Islanders' fourth-round pick, Devon Tapes. Yes, we do. You better believe it. Only 217 games in the NHL, but 122 points while being analytically, undoubtedly top 10 defensemen in the league during the past three years. Great shutdown ability, and it hasn't mattered if he's played in the island or in Denver. He's been rock solid on both ends of the ice. This might be the biggest surprise of the episode, but believe me, he deserves his spot in the early first round. But after that blockbuster, we move on and I present to you my seventh overall pick of the draft, Dylan Larkin. Captain of the wings, one of the fastest skaters on the planet and terrific two-way ability, sees him in the top 10 of the draft. 346 points in 486 games to go along. And you have to remember that the team has been pretty awful for most of his career. But now that he's found chemistry with the upcoming young guns in Detroit, those numbers could climb even higher in the next coming years. After Larkin, my nominee for the 8th overall pick is the 2nd overall pick by Buffalo, Sam Reinhardt. Carried the team in Buffalo alongside Eichel while being in that trap and now rocks with the Panthers in a stacked lineup where he has been assigned to a third line role. Terrific offensive player who has some two-way ability as well and we can only wonder what his numbers would look like if he got drafted to another organization early on. Since to this point he has been able to rack up 352 points in 509 NHL games. So at least on my books, those are good numbers for a top 10 pick. And after Reinhardt, we will have Nikolai Ehlers from the Winnipeg Jets as the ninth overall pick. 332 points in 455 games, but injuries have slowed down his production quite tremendously. And without those, this slick-footed sniper would without a doubt be in the conversation for the top three spots in scoring. After Ehlers, we round out the top 10 by adding another Nordic skater named William Nylander. 317 points in 416 games is a lead by itself, and being a part of Toronto's offensive unit will guarantee a hefty offensive total almost on a yearly basis. Undeniably offensive force with elite offensive toolset, and to me these two guys are pretty much on the same level, so... You could place them in either slot, but this time I just chose to pick Ehlers as the earlier pick. Moving on to the rest of the top 20, we start with another goalie, and in fact another Russian goalie, by the name of Ilya Sorokin. 60 games played so far, 
So still quite a ways away from usual starter numbers, but other stats speak for themselves. And for example, has been dragging the poor Isles team to decent results already this year. In those 60 games, he has racked up 2.26 goals against average and 0.923 save percentage, which are quite remarkable for a goalie that hasn't seen more action. And I have full belief that this guy will become one of the elite starters in the league already next year, if this year doesn't count. Brick wall in net, and if the Islanders are able to put solid offensive presence in front of him, I believe that they have a very bright future in Long Island. And in fact, he was one of the main reasons why I believe that the team would have a long season this year after the regular season. And I also have to mention that he could have been even higher in the rankings if he had played more games in North America. And after Sorokin, we track back to skater territory and select quite controversial player as the 12th selection, Tampa Bay's first round pick, Tony D'Angelo. And before you start screaming, check his stats and you will understand why he is so high on the draft board. Elite offensive blue liner who has proved his worth on the ice and 146 points in 249 games is proof of what he is capable of offensively. This year, as the Canes were willing to give him a chance, he has also proved that he isn't a liability defensively, which also adds to his value. If you leave out all the off-ice stuff, which I don't agree with whatsoever. After D'Angelo, we got few forwards back to back, so I'm going to name them all together to save some time. They are number 13, Jacob Rana, number 14, Alex Tuck, and number 15, Kevin Fiala. Rana is my number one guy from this bunch, and he could have been even higher, but his recent injuries have tracked down his production, and thus he fell few places, while Tuck has proven his worth in Buffalo alongside Jeff Skinner and Tage Thompson. Fiala has been a consistent contributor throughout his career and is very deserving of a spot in the top 15. Then moving on, and the rest of the first round names are Ellis Mertz-Leakins at number 16, number 17 Nick Schmaltz, number 18 Travis Sanheim, number 19 Sam Bennett and Victor Arvidsson as the 20th pick. Jordan McCann takes the 21st spot, Michael Bunting, number 22, Thatcher Demko, number 23, Kasperi Kapanen, number 24, Kevin LeBanc, number 25, Victor Olofsson, number 26, Adrian Kempe takes the 27th spot, Marcus Pedersen at 28, Alex Nedeljkovic at 29, and Brandon Montour as the 30th pick of this draft. The two remaining spots belong to Robbie Fabry and Christian Dvorak. So once again strong showing overall and some of these guys are still growing into their role so we might expect some changes to this ranking once one or two more seasons go by. More offensively oriented draft but here we can see the differences in draft classes where some are more top heavy, some might have more top and demand than forwards and some drafts are especially strong for goaltenders. So this is exactly why for me it's interesting to track these prospects and see their careers unfold right in front of our own eyes but that pretty much wraps up the episode once again hope you enjoyed another blast from the past type of episode and hopefully next week we will have another guest appearing on this show remember to leave a rating for this podcast on spotify 
obviously five stars would be the minimum and go follow the podcast page on instagram at the drop underscore pass thank you so much for listening and especially for listening to this episode it was also great to see that you guys tuned in for the last episode and left some comments since those warm my heart each and every time please don't hesitate to contact me and hopefully we will see you again next week love you all stay tuned stay safe until next time all right